With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or CrestwoodDental.com. This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and Jamie Rivers. Now, Jamie... You know Jamie, he's famous. He used to play hockey professionally yep. in the NHL for the Blues. Probably still could if he wanted to. Now, yeah, well, I just it, don't feel like it. Yep. Injury-wise, we we really do need him. Yeah. It's an I mean, really. <laughs> now working over on the fast lane on 101 ESPN, Jeff Burton, my homeboy from the Riz show. Uh guys, I got to tell you, and I know we normally start off with something like that's not hockey related, but I I'm going to start Blues related. I'm watching this game last night, and there are times where things aren't necessarily pretty, but dudes, the fact that we have a team that has this many flipping injuries and we are at all as competitive as we are, I think says a mile about the players in that locker room and the coach that that coaches them. Man, I am proud as hell to be a Blues fan. And I don't know who I'm more proud of is the players because, again, the education from this show has taught me that they've kind of sort of changed tweak the way they're doing things. So I don't know if it's more a compliment to the players or the coach that realize, hey, we need to get shots at the net. We need to get bodies in front of the net. We've been talking about that. And, man, did they do that last night? Yeah, they've done that for the last couple of games. And it's really starting to pay off. You talk about it all the time. You've got to have a net front presence. And what does that mean? Well, it means what you watched last night in the game before where you have bodies in front ready to pick up the free goals. I call them free goals because if you go to the net, the rebounds pop there. Look at Zach Sanford's goal last night. That was a free goal. Yeah, He's just standing there, the puck's laying there. Well, just put this in the empty net. Mm-hmm. Imagine you could get seven or eight of those a year well, without so- even trying, except you just have to have enough balls to go to the front of the net. Right. And the Sunquist goal in front of the net. I mean, could that have been easier? Yeah, and I know, was, I know it was a defensive breakdown, but I'm like, oh my gosh, he had half of the net and nobody on it. It looked what he did there, guys, which you have to, if you watch it back again, is he gets the puck on his forehand, and if he spins right away, the goalie has the angle. So what he does is he spins and then just extends himself a little bit, about six inches further with the stick, and what that does is it opens up the far side of the net. Oh, my half of it. It <laughs> yeah. was crazy. So it, it was on purpose, and it's a really, it's a skill. 
And for Oscar Sundquist to do that was impressive. I'd if like him to do it more. If you're a defenseman for the Ducks and you're looking at tape today, that's probably got to be one that you're going to get some heat on, I would assume, because those guys like look like they were a half a mile away on that play. Well, they were killing a penalty, right? And, yeah, they didn't have the, – the, what happened there, and this is what you try to do when you move the puck around, is the you try to get the the – you, you lure it out, right? We always talked about luring players out where you move the puck and the players don't even realize it. They start to move closer and closer to the guys. And it's like you're not aware that you're drifting further out of your position. And on that play there, the Anaheim player just started drifting up and found himself in no man's land to where he was too far to offer resistance back towards the front of the net. And the net front defenseman had another guy to worry about, and Braden Shen was all alone in the slot. Right. So now there's a lot of options available. Puck comes down to Oscar Sundquist. Now he has all day to make that play. Shit doesn't have all day. He makes a very quick play. But in hockey terms, as far as like having time and space, that was a lot of time for him to do something. Yeah, he didn't have that eighth of a second. He had like a quarter of a second. <laughs> yeah, or something, he did. right. Yeah. I thought he had an amazing game last night. But for there being maybe a few games where we didn't see or hear his name as much, I thought he was just all over the place. Was the he a star? Nails, Donnie. He's oh, nails. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I will take the heat on the Zach Sanford thing. Grant, but we're talking absolutely. about Sunquist. But But I'm saying I have not ever dogged on Sonny. I love that, dude. So I'm not I'm not saying that, that he, like, necessarily disappeared, but I'm just saying it was a very strong game last night, and you could tell that he was on. No, what I meant by he's nails means that he's always there. He's always working hard. He's always contributing to the game in some shape or form. He doesn't always have to be on the score sheet. Um, So it was not a a, a jab at you or trying to knock the hamster out of its wheel or send it into a fury. Yeah, that's coming later. (laughs) It kind of went into a fury there. Did you see it? It picked up speed and he got an eye twitch. I could hear it. I could hear it, actually. (laughs) Sunquist seems to be the kind of player for me, and this would be good for his season, if he ended the season with about, let's say, 15, 12, 15 goals and was a bruise from head to toe because half of those – Went off his body and went into the net, into the net or something. Well, if he ends up with twelve to fifteen goals, that's like almost twenty five to thirty sure. in a regular year because right. we're doing a shortened season. Oh, good point. Yeah, okay, so maybe if, less than that. If he could get to ten goals, would be phenomenal. I think he's at what three, maybe four. Now I'd have to go back and check. I feel like it's four. My, my point he's in got saying plenty that of time though, right? My point in saying that is he's not the guy that's going to set the the puck on a tee and take a massive slapper. He's the guy that darts into the net from the right half boards or is standing in front of the net and he has the puck go off his you know his his mm-hmm. thigh or something goes in. That's the kind of goals I see him scoring. You got guys like Oscar Sunquist, I know Barbashev's hurt, but just that that bracket of player. And Barbie had fourteen goals two seasons ago. So let's not forget that, okay? Uh but if those guys can get in and around fifteen goals a season, that's incredible. Yeah. That's your depth scoring. So you're hoping that your top six guys, that your your big shooters um, they're getting hopefully twenty to twenty-five. Uh, Vladdy, you'd look for twenty-five to thirty. Heck, Cairo, I think, is a twenty-five to thirty goal scorer. And Braden Shen seems to like the top shelf these days, so he might. Uh, he How might about be goal last night. He just said, "Oh, power play now. Let's end this now." Boom. Well, we're going to have him on the fast lane, and so depending on when you download this podcast or listen to it, um, you can always go back and download the podcast for the fast lane as well, too, on 101ESPN.com. But I am going to ask him flat out because he's been like nothing but top shelf this year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask him, like, what are you doing here, buddy? Are you just trying to make the highlight rule? Like, is that, that's it? We just want to make Sports Center highlights? Like, so I'm anxious to see what he says about that. But he has been awesome, too. So I guess long, long-winded comment here is you got your guys who you expect the goals from, and they can do that. 
But when you get guys that are in your second tier that are getting 12 to 15 goals, guys, that's massive. Uh, I want to ask, you know, I made the joke about it a minute or so ago, but can you kind of talk about Zach Sanford's play, not only last night, but, you know, one of the, my complaints was consistency, and he's he's definitely put some games together. What has Zach Sanford been doing in this last, you know, five-game stretch or whatever that he's got a few goals? What's he doing that he was not doing before? Well, first and foremost, before we talk about that, I think he needs to thank you for the Fandango bump. Right? Oh, that's true. Fandango <laughs> bump, yep. yeah. Donnie had written him off, and so uh, Zach Sanford said, well, screw you, Donnie. And right. so, therefore, we have the Fandango bump. Yeah. Uh, so, thank you for that. <laughs> hey, anytime. Um, but, no, he's <laughs> he's going to the front of the net. He's getting to the areas. He's not being out-muscled. He's showing a desire to want to score goals. So that's the biggest thing. And you're like, well, how does a guy not always show desire? Well, there's guys that play against him that are showing an awful lot of desire to discourage that, too. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of like football, right? You look at it, well, how come this running back, you know, he can do it this time, but he can't do it that time? Well, there's a lot of things involved. And sometimes the defensive players, yeah, they're pretty good, too. Right. And they're going to work hard, too. Uh, but I do think that I think he's been good, man. He's improving. But this is, again, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here. Okay, I don't want to be Donnie Fandango. So, right. Uh, Whoa! No, no offense. That, I was not in agreement with that. Well, hang on. Well, you sec- agreed. No, yes, you I, did. No, I was answering somebody else in the corner. Hang There's on. nobody here. No, they asked you, how no, I throw. I, they asked how I throw left or right. And I, I just turned around ahead. and said, "No, right. said, no, right. let him finish." Bad go ahead. Timing. So, Sorry, let, Donnie. I take that back. This will make it easier. With all due respect, I don't want to be Donnie Fandango <laughs> on this one. Okay, um, but <laughs> he did that help? Did that help? I really, I hate. I mean, I said with all due respect, right? That didn't help. Didn't help. Okay, no. so Zach Sanford has to continue to show all of us that this is, you know, the way he can play. He can't go disappear for two, three, four games at a time and then come back like this because it's like that awful relationship you're in where the good times are good and the bad times are bad, but you keep getting hooked on the good times and you don't ever unscrew yourself. Basically, boy, you talk about my first marriage to a T. <laughs> sorry, sorry, that went off on a that went off on a little tangent. But we got there. a little personal. Let, let me let me let me ask a, on, on another player here too. Who yeah, I we're thought... going radio silent at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and you had mentioned him when we when we did the podcast uh, on Sunday. But uh, I thought Mackenzie McKeckern had a really strong game last night too. Man, that dude is he is involved anytime that he is on the ice. He's in the middle of he it, seems and I to love be... that. Just have that one speed of fast all the time. And he's yeah, turbo fast. speed. Yeah, yeah. Man. ludicrous speed. Yeah, ludicrous <laughs> speed. Nice. Um, yeah, look, Mackenzie McKecker, that's who he is, though. That's that's who he is. So he has to recognize that as a player, not try to get too far over his skis and do too much. Just go out there, get the puck in, bang away, create a forecheck, go to the net, shoot the puck when you have a chance. That's the difference maker. And I tell you what, we have to give full credit. To the third and fourth line guys right now for the St. Louis Blues. Oh, baby. Mm-hmm. How Amen. great has Nathan Walker been? Yeah, yep. fantastic. The little Aussie is everywhere out there. I love it. I don't know how you send that guy back down. And I know you go, Vladimir Tarasenko is coming back. I get it. But this kid has been really, really good for you. Along with Dakota Joshua, guys. Yeah. 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 What a great pickup that was. And to hear the story that uh, he was basically left unsigned or unqualified by the yeah. Maple Leafs. Let, let's not gloss over that. I know he was on your show. Yes. So uh, I don't know much about no, I don't at all. So don't what either. did you learn and what is the story? First of all, he's an incredibly polite young man. He was, yes, sir, thank you, and all this. Very my pleasure to join your show. And it was, it was really, really nice to hear it, right? The young man coming in and 
at a huge moment, could have acted anyway, and we all would have been like, oh, that's okay. It's his first goal. Sure. He was awesome. Um, but his path it was longer than, than most and, and a little windy. I uh, played college hockey, and, and he's from uh, Dearborn, Michigan, so he grew up a Red Wings fan, Jeff. Sorry. Oh, boy. Apparently he was a huge Jamie Rivers fan back in the day. Apparently, no, that's not true. Apparently. <laughs> it was Pavel Datsuk, but close enough. Um, <laughs> some of the same enough. letters. Yeah. Some of the same letters in your name. Same hands. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, he, he uh, was a Toronto Maple Leafs draft pick, and they just didn't qualify him. You know, you have a chance to either move on from players and look at somebody else, and Maple Leafs with uh, contract, a number of contracts that are already out there, probably just let him walk. And Big Walt, Keith Kachuk, told Army, this is a player that I like. Like, I don't know what's there, but I know there's something that, you know, we could use at least at the minor league level. So, so a retired Blues player said, hey, check this dude out. Yeah, well, Big Walt's a scout now. Okay, does, that's like, what I was going to ask. I shouldn't is say he's a scout? scout. He's a scout as a title. He does a lot more than that. Okay. He's the guy that, you know, Army picks up the phone and says, hey, Walt, what do you think of this? Well, Walt has a bigger voice than just being a scout, Got even it. though okay. that's his job description. And so he had seen the young man play and, and basically said, let's give it a shot. And Army did it. And he's been an incredible surprise for the minor league team. And then with all these injuries that have basically wiped everybody out for the Blues, in he comes in a weird situation of coming out of quarantine, flying in to meet the team, doing all this stuff. And then he's playing in a game and scoring his first NHL goal. So, but I guess the bigger point to me is he's looked really good. Yeah. Like as a fourth liner, and that's what he projected to be, a third or fourth line player. Well, you're looking at playing center ice as a young man. That's two games in the NHL. Center position is the most difficult position at forward because you have to play solid defensively, offensively. There's face-offs to worry about. There's a lot going on. You skate the most out of everybody because you're the only player on the ice, actually, that goes behind the opposition's net and behind your net, plays a full 200-foot game, and I've been really, really impressed by this young man. Again, another kid where I'm like, God, I hate to see him be sent down because right. he did really good. Right. Did what you would ask him to do yeah. and what you expected him to do. So this week, it seems like we might have gotten a, a touch bit of clarity on a couple of, of those injuries. Obviously, we had heard about Pareko and back. Well, now we're hearing, and I don't think there's any confirmation of this, that Jaden Schwartz's injury is an oblique and if it is an oblique, that to me had always been one of those injuries that it's like it's not a 10-day, two-week, three-week. There's really an open end there because you don't know how it's going to heal because it's in such a weird spot. Can you maybe speak to that injury, obviously not knowing 100% for sure if that's what's going on with, with Jane Schwartz? Yeah, well, speculation is sure. that. And, yeah. Um, I'm being Debbie Downer again. I get it. No, no, you're no, being I'm Downer. about ready to be what? as well. No, so what happened? Sorry. I just, my mic went dead there for a second. Um, <laughs> I'm trying, guys. I'm really trying, <laughs> just so we know. <laughs> yeah, the oblique's a tough one. I had an oblique once. Once. Now it's gone. Once. Now it's protected. <laughs> um, but, no, I had an oblique injury uh, back when I played, and it's tough. I mean, because everything you do in the sport of hockey, you're twisting, you're turning, there's resistance when you shoot the puck, when you pass, everything. It's it's oblique central. And so for a guy who's smaller like Jaden Schwartz, who's got to get in there and battle and, and get roughed up and pushed around, yeah, this is a tough one. It's going to take some time for, for that to heal, and it's going to take some time for him to be comfortable. But in the meantime, you know, you've got a couple of placeholders here. You've got right. Nathan Walker who's doing a fine job. And there could be a number 91 sighting coming back very soon, maybe even next game. 
And so that, again, is another guy who can step in while Jaden Schwartz, you know, gets healthy. Now, That's tomorrow, right? Tomorrow night's? Tomorrow night. A Friday night, yeah? Yes. Right? Yeah, okay. I, so you, you're, you're for sure that 91's playing is what you said, right? I'm writing it down? You can write it down. Right. <laughs> might, want to, might need to be able to erase it. In but, pencil. Okay, but hold on. And I have not had a chance to, to read the article yet. But I saw that headline for the from the story from Jeremy Rutherford on The Athletic today where the doctors are saying, like, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, that the shoulder is good to go, but I believe the term, but this is his last shot, or something like that is used. That's not cool. Uh, no. Jamie, can you talk to that a little bit? I Again, I did not have a chance to read the article. I didn't have time. Yeah, I didn't have a chance okay. yet to check it out either. Uh, I will, for sure, because Jeremy Rutherford does an incredible he's job. Dude, he's awesome. Find him on Twitter, at J.P. Rutherford, and he, his articles are fantastic, specifically regarding St. Louis Blues players. So I imagine, uh, from what I gather... With this, is he he talked to a couple of different doctors who were you know, shoulder specialists, and I, I guess yeah, it's this is his third shoulder procedure, we'll call it. Let alone any other bumps and bruises or scar tissue that are in there from other injuries that maybe never healed. So yeah, it could be. I'm not going to say this is the last kick at it because you never know, right? Um, but I think the biggest thing right now is that Vladdy has to be comfortable coming back, and I think that Craig Berube yesterday. Um, he said, uh, Vladdy's good to go. Vladdy just has to tell me when he wants to play and he can play. And some people read into that of like frustration of like, well, what are we waiting for here? And I get it. You know, you can read into it what you want. The bottom line is Craig Berube is frustrated. The fact that he doesn't have 91 in his lineup. He also understands that the player has to be ready. And you can simulate body checking in practice. You can have a guy rough you up in the corner. It's not the same. If I took one of you guys and roughed you up in the corner, it would be okay. Oh, I feel like I'm ready to go. But then if I was like roughing up the up uh, the uh, opposing player, trust me, it's going to be a different feel right. because I'm trying to not necessarily hurt the other guy. Maybe I am, um, but I'm certainly <laughs> trying to discourage him. Whereas your own teammate, you're not trying to do that. Imagine being the guy who roughs up Vladdy too much and blows out his shoulder again. Right. Yeah, that would you're tough. like, I'll take a hard pass on that. Thanks. No. Uh-huh. So, so I, okay, I, I'm sorry. I, I want to go back to this. So, Coach is ready for him to play, but he's not frustrated that Vladimir is taking it slowly and wants to 100% be comfortable. He's dealing with all of these injuries, and he just wants to have a great player back in the lineup, but he's not specifically frustrated and think that 91 should already be playing. No. No, you okay. can't be. Not as a coach. You have Yeah, a- but you can understand as the casual, not even a casual, as a hockey fan, when you read that, you go, oh, coach is calling him out and saying, hey, Vladdy, we're ready for you when you <laughs> right. are. Right. That's what I'm saying. Here. I just wanted, yeah. to, be, I yeah. wanted to clarify. From, from, from a fan standpoint, not a guy that's been there, but a fan standpoint, that's what we see. Yeah, and I get it, okay? I get it. But we have to remember as well here is how many times, if we look at track record, how many times has Craig Berube called players out in the media? Oh God! Yeah, I don't. Has he? I can't recall. Maybe once, kind of, sort of, against San Jose in the playoffs, said he needed more from Vladdy. That's two years ago, maybe even more. I don't know. My math is awful. All I know is was that Stanley Cup run, and he just said a little something. Need more from him. That's about the extent of Craig Berube calling out a specific player rather than just calling out the team. Mm-hmm. Craig Berube, he hasn't had this guy in in how long? Do you think he's going to call him out before he touches the ice again? Right. No, that's just fiction. It's not happening. So 
uh, how he worded it. And sometimes I'm sure Craig Berube, maybe he was tired. Maybe the Zoom wasn't fun for him. Maybe he's sick of answering these questions. And sometimes you get a little sharp tongue. It doesn't mean you're sharp tongue towards that individual, just the situation probably. I get that. Uh, I want to go back to uh, the game. I know we got a bunch of emails to get to, but just real quickly, just so I'm watching this right, uh, Nico Mikola, great his game last night. Uh, I thought he was okay. Okay, because I wrote down struggled. There was a couple of times where he lost his footing and he was in the wrong spot. I I couldn't do it either, but it was (laughs) it was the first time that I really, really saw him for not 60 minutes, but I took away and I felt the need to write down he struggled for the first time. Yeah, um, I don't know if he struggled, but I could see how you would interpret it that way. He did. He was okay. It would be my scorecard for him. Um, There are some things positionally he has to get better at. I think he can still be a lot better in front of the net defensively. Uh, He does close out guys really well, and he's got the reach, and there's a lot of upside. But this is what you run into when you have a first-year defenseman that is now – getting big-time minutes because you don't have Carl Gunnarsson, you don't have Colton Pareko, and for whatever reason you're choosing right now not to play Jake Wallman. And I think that there's a strategy behind that. I think Jake Wallman's a fine defenseman, but he would be a downgrade defensively uh, for your team if you took if you put him in lieu of Mikola yeah, in there. Mikola, yeah. So, yeah, you're seeing a young man that's learning the NHL game on the fly, in real time, and... This is these are some of the bumps and bruises that you're going to have to go through. Is he's going to have moments where he looks great, and he's going to have moments where you're like, "What is he doing?" He's got to figure it out. Can I can I ask like so when you know after a game like that where where you say you know you saw things that he could be better, so will he get individual coaching like today when they skate or whenever they skate again? Will it be one on one or how do how does a player get get better at at that? Well, the Blues are fantastic at this part of it. And, uh, and is that where you come into play? Uh, no, not so much okay. with this kind of uh, this situation. I would come into play in the off season, okay. and working on more skills stuff than positionally and things like that. Okay. Okay. I don't uh, dip my toes in that water because it's not my job. Okay. Uh, but video coach Sean Farrell will have put together you know a bunch of clips of Mikola's shifts, and Mike Van Ryan will then go through the clips, and then he'll highlight a few, and then he'll grab the young man and say, hey, come on in here. Here's the shifts. You know, you know, It's not just the negative ones either. Right. I think that's the key for people to understand is you don't just kick somebody in the nuts over and over and over. It doesn't do any good. Right. you got to show them what they're doing right as well. So it'll be a, a collection of good and bad videos and you know, telling them what he can do to improve on that. And then you'll go out to practice, and in practice you'll want to hold that player accountable to – one or two things that you went over in there. So if it's, you know, gapping up better, closing guys out, being more physical, whatever it is, you then have a reference point and you're like, hey, Nico, we talked about it before. You got to be quicker to angle this guy. Don't go straight at him. You got to angle him. Put him into a position where he's either here just going to run him out of room. I can't imagine the the ability to have this knowledge and then execute said knowledge yeah, and yeah. and do it in practice speed, in game speed. Are you freaking kidding me? I haven't found anything <laughs> yeah. in life that I can do that with. Just <laughs> right. yet, you know? 
but I just I just find the, the the ability for them to tweak these things just to be just so remarkable. And then you talk about how the athletes, you know, as you're learning, the longer that you're in the sport, you're learning your position. All of that to me is just so unbelievably fascinating. Well, and that's what's sports. fascinating about this. Like I write stuff down that I listen to. You know, I've said before, uh, the power play wasn't going anywhere. Three power play goals. Uh, get uh, 47 Krug. Uh, how many shots on the net did he have last night? My gosh, somebody told him, Hey, shoot, right? You know, yeah, he's and got I, a hell of a shot. Boy, he really has got does. a missile, too, man. Yeah. All right, so, dudes, is there anything else that we want to talk about, or do we want to jump into the old emails? Let's do emails because, holy Lord, emails. baby yeah. Jesus, yeah. we got a lot of these things. Uh, and this has nothing to do with the Lord, baby Jesus at all, but you can email at us, <laughs> uh, lmbp <laughs> at 1057thepoint.com. That's lmbp at 1057thepoint.com. Hey, y'all, STLer, hey. uh, checking in from Raleigh, North Carolina. I love the show. Donnie, Jeff, and Jamie, y'all have great chemistry, so much so that I actually downloaded some Fastlane podcasts because he's already a loyal Riz Show listener. Anyway, I had some personal questions and a Blues question for y'all. Blues question. What is... (laughs) All right, get ready for the beeper. What is the actual... Pardons my French. Is wrong with our power play? Eh. I know Mark Savard is gone, but like it's almost the same personnel. What are we doing wrong? Not enough puck movement. Does a coach really matter that much? Guys, they were three for three last night. So, Andrew, yeah. we're going to go table this one until the next time. Andrew, I'll answer this one. Get people in front of the net and shoot. Yeah. There you go. Next. Boom. It get, works. Get that guy a door price. All right. <laughs> Personal questions. My wife and I just had our first child, Lucas. Congratulations. Uh, I did not get into hockey until my 20s. Went to my first Blues game with my uncle against Detroit. And Elliot as the starting goalie. Uh, he had the, the line at the time was Schwartz, Laterra, and Tarasenko. Uh, was brand new, so it was like six, nine years ago. Here are my questions. Feel free to cover them in the podcast if you like. How soon should I get this kid a stick? And how soon should I get him into skates? I realize uh, pr- she pr- he probably won't be an NHLer, but I'd love to give him a leg up. Two, where does the dominant hand go on the stick? The shaft. Watch it, Jeffrey. Oh. I always thought the shaft always. I had heard someone say the hilt because it allows for better poke checking. Always love the show. I listen to every podcast. Keep up the great work. That's from me. I'm just going to turn my mic off while we're talking about shafts. I'm just saying. It, please. Usually <laughs> you like good. to do that. Um, yeah, so. Ooh, I may have a follow-up on this which way would thing. Go ahead. So Sorry. skates, stick skates. positioning. Yes. Hard to believe you have a follow-up for anyway. this Anyway. Um. <laughs> First of all, yeah, get them on skates as soon as possible. If they can walk, guess what? They can put on skates and get them out there and get them comfortable. Let them fall down, you know, helmet, gloves. I would suggest elbow pads, too, because people overlook that. And when kids fall hard on an elbow, that really smarts. And then kids are like, I don't want to do that anymore. Right. Yeah. So give them the protection so that they feel like RoboCop. And then when they fall, they get back up and they enjoy it. They start doing snow angels on the ice. And you know what? Just let them have fun with it. So as soon as you can get them on the ice, as soon as you can walk, get after it. Now, as far as the stick uh, is concerned, look, I'm right-hand dominant, but I shoot left-handed. So my right hand would be at the top of the stick to control the entire stick for, you know, poke check or whatever. And when you're stick handling, the top hand is the one that rotates back and forth. The bottom hand just holds it in place, basically. So for me, having my dominant hand at the top of the stick was the way to go. Now, other guys want sometimes to have their dominant hand down low because they feel like they get more power on a shot or a slap shot. It's personal preference. It really is. It's personal preference. I'll tell you the easiest way to do it. Give the kid a stick. Don't say a damn word. 
and just let them start to hit the ball or the puck or whatever, you'll figure out quickly which way that kid wants to shoot. So far, two things. So funny. I always remember your left-handed shot because I, I – God, this sounds so creepy. But I remember one of your goals, and it was uh, – I, you could see your back, your back, you know, your your jersey in the back, and, and you were right at the blue line, and you were fading this way, like away from the net, and one-timer shot and scored – I don't know why, I, and it was in a Blues uniform. I don't know why I remember that, but that's how I always go. Okay, he was a lefty. Yeah, well, it's a, a little creepy. It sounds awesome. I top five that. goals ever, and, yeah. and, <laughs> and one of few. I mean, there's so yeah. many for us to. to well, to I think waste about. them all, right? Just make exactly. them good. And the other, the question I wanted to follow up with, with the emailer's question. I have a nephew who uh, is who plays hockey, and I think you may have been on the ice with him a handful of times. But I think he's the one that when he first started playing, somebody told him to switch from lefty to righty or righty to lefty, something to that effect. I know somebody who has a kid that age. It may have been Riz's kid. Oh, okay. It may have been Riz's kid, somebody who told him, who played hockey, mm-hmm. that you need to switch from lefty to righty or righty to lefty for some hmm. reason. I don't know like why. Like more goal scorers are right-handed, so you need to do it that way or something to that effect. Have you ever heard that before? Because no. I've never heard that before. No. Um, it's personal preference, It's right? personal preference, but the only thing I could say is if someone identified that the kid should switch is sometimes you give the kid a left-handed curve stick. And then the kid spends most of the time holding it the wrong way and trying to use it or using the backhand. <laughs> so clearly they want to shoot it the other way. Right. And so that's when you go, hey, what you're doing ain't working. So let's try a different stick. That's why my advice is get a stick with a straight blade for kids to start. And they will tell you. Get them on the ice, and it's not the first time because the first time they get out there, they don't know what the hell they're doing either. Right. Watch it for, you know, 10, 12, 15 times around the ice. You'll figure out quickly which way your skater wants to shoot because their body will show you. But and but also don't assume if they're right-handed off the ice, they're going to be right-handed no, on the ice. No, there's absolutely no science to that yeah. at all. It's personal preference. Yeah. All right, we go to uh, to Chad. Uh, hey, gals, love the show. Hey. I noticed what? that Perron... Hold on, let me take a look. <laughs> I noticed that Perron is always standing at the door as everyone walks off the ice. What is the significance to that? That's a really great question. Yeah. He's being polite. You oh. go ahead. Thank you, sir. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> After you. After you. I'm sorry. It's just the idea of, of Perron going, oh, oh no, not yet. Oh, go wait, ahead. Wait. Should I go now? I'll get wait, the next one. It reminds, no. it reminds me of me. Like Is it a, I'm going to guess that it's a superstition thing or not? Yeah. It's like you're talking about following the game. I imagine he stands there and he kind of gives guys the high fives or the, the fist bump and, you know, and they go, some guys do that. And Walt, big, big Walt was that way. He would sit there at the door and just fist bump everybody, good game, good game, good game, and then kind of be the last guy off the ice. It's just, again, personal preference. Very good, very good. This one from Bob. Uh, Practically for Jamie, thank you for the education. I now pay more attention to what is going on away from the puck. I saw moments of brilliance from Sanford, but then saw what I would call laziness might not be the right word. Also wanted to ask, it seems to me that unassisted goals are rare, which would make me believe that hockey is truly the last team sport or close. You have definitely increased my hockey, uh, increased my hockey love, and I love the show. And that is from Bob. So we Thank know you, that Bob, Bob wrote this on Bob. Sunday before Sanford scored another goal. So maybe his email wouldn't be as much there. 
Either way, great email, Bob. Yeah, absolutely, Bobo. We Tell appreciate it very much. Tell your friends about us, please. Uh, let's see here. We go to uh, Eric. Hey, gents and Donnie. Uh, love the show and wish you boys would do it either longer or more often. I need more blues talk in my life. If I can't get more from you guys, do you have any other suggestions to fill in the blues gap in my life? No, there's no other podcast. Now, this is the only this one the available. Only one, only one I know. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, also wanted to everybody ask, should sponsor this one. <laughs> also wanted to ask your feelings on the fourth right, line right now and how it seems that they're getting the shaft for the effort that they are displaying. Uh, Clifford, De La Rose have been working their asses off and have shown some solid puck control in their offensive zone. I know their production isn't high, uh, but you would think that Chief would use them more than six minutes a game if for no other reason than to wear the defense down uh, with the physicality and the puck control that they've shown recently. Anyway, thanks for your time, and keep on keeping on. Skate, boys, skate. That is from Eric. Yeah, so first thing I'd say is the fourth line was good. They weren't great. Um, you know, they had some moments of playing really well and the six, seven minutes a game, sometimes it's, it's a direct reflection of one, are you accomplishing every, everything you could be, uh, two is matchups depending on what the other team puts out there. And as much as we all remember the, the Steen Sunquist Barbashev fourth line mm. that dominated the Bruins in the mm. Stanley cup final, yeah. That, my friends, was an anomaly. A luxury. It was a luxury. It was a a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So the thought of playing your fourth line against top lines on a nightly basis usually doesn't work. So you have to make sure you get the right matchups. And that line, they had some ups and downs. They had some good puck possession. Then they were getting scored on quite a bit. So, you know, it's all... It all reflects on the ice time given at the end of the day. If they have six, seven minutes, look back at the game. They probably had some mistakes or the matchups weren't favorable, and that's just the way it goes. Speaking of Steen, has have you or anybody talked with him how he's feeling, how things are? Is 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 health coming back? Is he happy? All that stuff? Yeah, he's he's you know, he's kind of bored. Uh, but he's enjoying, you know, they've got the newborn mm-hmm. and they're obviously completely entrenched in that. And he loves watching the game. So he's feeling OK. Uh, you know, everyday life, he's fine. But uh, still, he has moments to where he, he's got some pain and some troubles. He's going to have some therapy and it's going to be ongoing. I, I hated to tell him, but I'm like, probably for the rest of your life. Buddy. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Trust Thanks me. for the good news, Jamie. Yeah. But, yeah. He's like, oh, this is great. All right. Yeah. Does he live in St. Louis or in Sweden? He, he's got a place in here and in Sweden, currently, currently, I believe in when I talked to him, he was in St. Louis. Okay. So I don't know if he went back to Sweden or what's the uh, St. Louis address? <laughs> <laughs> just, just give me a neighborhood; I'll figure it out what, from there. What you guys you don't already know. What you guys don't see is that Jeff actually gets a notepad and a pen, like he's going to start writing. You like Jimmy's going to tell him. I'm never surprised know. he has a pen. He could slip crayons. up. He could be drinking. He could have been drinking. He might slip up. You never know. Never know. Hello, gentlemen. Just a quick question about the how the stats get determined when a goalie is pulled. For example, the Blues game against. The Sharks, when Binner got pulled and Huso took the pipes, how does that affect their stats? Does Huso get the W and Binner gets nothing, or do they split it? Also, is there a time limit when a goalie can't be pulled, or is there a circumstance when a head coach can't pull the goalie? Thanks, you guys are the best. I love the podcast. <laughs> tell E-Keys, I'm sorry, tell EK65 to stop flinching. Let's go Blues. That's from Lance. Now, I'm going to answer and say that if I'm Huso and I took the poles, I, or the pipes, I pipes. better get credit for it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about the, the win or the loss. Oh. Yeah. You're talking about but, the goal itself. Yeah. What are you talking about? Listen, I don't know. I just want to Take- know the answer to the question so that we can move on <laughs> to the next email. My God, this is a locker room sometimes. <laughs> First of all, freaking junior high one at that, for Christ's sake. <laughs> 
That's not even a high school. No, junior dude, high? it is not. It is not. And junior this, high school this, sucks. This three group, this three man years. grouping has not, <laughs> has not reached high school yet. Go ahead, Jamie, for the love of Jesus. <laughs> well, um, I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes. If a goalie comes in and the team is down by a goal, then if the team comes back and wins, the goalie that the second goalie would get the win. Um, if the team goes on to lose, the goalie who was pulled gets the loss in that one. So, because does that make sense? Yeah, that yes. makes sense. Yeah, because he it changed. In he the gets negative. the loss yeah. because he basically not he personally, but he was the guy in the net that was in the hole basically. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. All right. This one I hey, remember. Can, can I ask a question? Then? You no, can no, pull your goalie. No. You can switch them anytime you want. There's no rule about that. Mike Keenan used to uh, switch the goalies almost every other freaking whistle sometimes just to mess with people. So yeah, there's no. It doesn't seem to make any sense. Are yeah. you just? Are you, I did say of, Mike Keenan. Right. Right. Yeah, right. You did. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Um, <laughs> on that note, is it a thing where, uh, let's say, uh, five guys are on the ice? I get the puck, and I distribute it or whatever to somebody. And as I'm getting off the ice, you jump on for me. They skate down two seconds later and shoot and score. I don't get the plus. The person who just jumped on the ice gets the plus. Yeah, that happens. Now, uh, oh, my God, it's funny you say this because we used to give it to guys all the time where, you know, you'd make a play, you're headed off the ice, and as you're getting off the ice, your team scores – and then, you know, Charlie Hustle there, who's coming on the ice, would bolt over into the into the pack to celebrate. Right. You're like, okay, Hero Biscuit. <laughs> you literally just came from the bench to the celebration. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. He's the one that's celebrating the most, like, with his back towards, like, the press box. Like, yeah, yeah. Make sure you get my number. Uh-huh. Um, so those guys take a beating verbally from the teammates. But most of the time what happens, what you're supposed to do, the unwritten rule, is if you jump on the ice and your team scores – then you turn around really quickly, go back to the bench, and the guy who just came off goes back on to celebrate with the teammates. So that if nothing else, at least visually, it looks like he should have the plus. It doesn't always work, but that's the way. That's just called being a good teammate. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love doing this podcast. Hey, gentlemen, and this guy actually messaged me last night late in the game to ask this question. So this is coming from Mike. Uh, hey, gentlemen, and Donnie Rips and Jeff. Big thanks to Donnie for tweeting me. <laughs> Most accurate one so far. Pretty pretty good. Good. Big thanks to Donnie for tweeting me the email address after I forgot. I have a question for Jamie. In the game tonight, they showed uh, the uh, the tweet from Thomas to Krug after it was announced he was traded to the Blues, and it got me thinking about bad blood between players. How hard is it to go into to a new team with players that, for lack of a better word, hate you. Obviously, I know this wasn't the case with Krug, but what happens when you go to a new team and have to play with someone that you seriously injured? What if Stone and Bozak got traded to the same team? How do you as a player move past a dirty hit like that to work with someone? This is a great freaking question, and that is from uh, Mike. And did you ever have that situation in your playing career? I would oh, bet yeah. you had. Yeah. I had it almost everywhere I went because yeah. I wasn't very well liked by the opposition and uh, probably with... Just cause, too. Sure. It means you were doing your job. Yeah, I was doing my job. Uh, very first time that I got traded, I went and walked into the New York Islanders dressing room, and Brad Isbister, who had played for Phoenix, was now in New York. And Izzy and I got into it in the playoffs that one year when the Blues were playing the Coyotes. And the whole pile ended up on top of me somehow in the net, and we're all kind of fighting and whatnot. And he's got his hand, and he's got it over my face, and he's trying to, like, you know, over the nose or, like, suffocate me. 
And I couldn't. My arms were pinned under. So oh I just, my gosh! I'm getting anxiety. Yeah, man, I, that. I, yeah. So I just bit his hand as many times as I could. <laughs> Good for you. That's the only thing you could move was your mouth. I'm right? like you, yeah. dumb son of a. I'm like you. Put your hand in my mouth again. See what happens. I'll, I will take this and I will digest that thing. You can come looking for it in the toilet later. Oh boy. And so we. So again, fast forward to we walk in the locker room and now, of course, what are the odds? Well, my my. Stall is right beside his. Oh, good. So I sit down and I'm there, and he's like, "How you doing? Nice to meet you." This and that, the other, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, you tried to bite my fingers off." <laughs> That's like, what he opens with. Yeah, right away he's like, "Yeah, I remember I, you tried to bite my fingers off." I said, "Yeah, you're the dummy who put your hand all over my mouth." So I mean, he's like, "All right, cool, we're good, <laughs> done, we're done. Let's go shower out." And what he was say? like, "All right, you know, you kind of know at that point." Well. If we're in the trenches, I know this guy's got me. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, and the other time was that was really that stands out in my my mind was walking into the Red Wings locker room because we had some real battles. Like as Blues Red Wings back in the day, it was war. And Draper and Malpy were guys that you never passed up the chance to. Well, try to put them out of the game anytime you could, and as so, they would with you, as they would for sure. Yes. And so walking in the first day, it was. It was tense. It was the the worst tense intensity that I'd had ever going into a new team because a lot, they had a lot of the same guys still, and they all kind of knew, and they didn't really like me. Um, and so Steve Eisman, though, cut the tension real quick. Stevie's from my hometown, Ottawa. Uh, he's older than me, but I grew up, and we ended up skating in the summers together. I was a really young kid. He was already in the NHL. Long story short, he's like, hey, Rivs, hey, welcome to Detroit, and comes over and blah, blah, and then starts introducing me around, and that was it. Oh, great. Everything was fine, and then Draper and Malpy and those guys ended up being some of the greatest teammates I've ever had. I still talk to Drapes uh, through text message. We were talking just last week, and I have nothing but love for those guys. And uh, But, yeah, you forget about it quickly, and you realize then that, uh, you know what, when we play, now I know, like, this guy's got me. I, I don't have to worry he's going to be there. You know, over time, my hatred of the Detroit Red Wings has, has gotten a lot better. I, I very much respect uh, that jersey. Right yeah. uh, more so than I ever have. Jeff just won't admit But it. what has not <laughs> changed is my hatred of those players okay. and those names. All right, yeah. I, good, yeah. I, I, Draper, uh, Malpy, McCarty, I just... You like, love them, man. Uh, well, you if, would love if them. they were on my team. You're goddamn here's, right. I did. Did you say dang or dang the other one? No, no. I said okay. dang. I said dang. Um, one of the reasons why I do not Good like them is because I when I think of the Red Wings and I think of that red and white jersey, I think of was it Iserman who sh- who scored over Casey's shoulder? Yeah. Yeah, and I—that's another one of those yeah, I remember nice, uh, where I was when that happened. A nice view for that one too. So I, I, I'm just saying, sorry like, about that. My, and I'll, right. I'm still my, in therapy. Mine is is completely just based out of being bitter and having the Red Wings kick our ass for a number of years. Well, I'll be I, honest, that, with that does have a, something to do with a hundred percent. A little bit of their like, success. And we won a few of those battles. It wouldn't be so bad, but we really didn't. But right. you were you were in the middle of that in the heyday of those. Oh, it wars, was on, right? Man. Yeah, it was on. I remember a, a time at the old arena when I was like. 15 or 16, and I was chirping about Steve Iserman in front of a Red Wing fan. And this guy tore me to effing shreds. It was a very much a learning experience for a young guy mouthing off at a sporting event. Yeah. But, like, it was just, uh, I just hated everything about them. Even Stevie Y, who now I think is God, great and loved. God, yeah. yeah. The reason why I never smack talk at hockey games 
is uh, is a Detroit Red Wings story. And I was it was in high school or right after I graduated from high school. Yes, I graduated from high school, and I had knee surgery, my first knee surgery, and I was on crutches at the arena, Blues Red Wings, and I was with my best friend at the time, a guy named Brian Kelly, and he was one of those guys that would start crap. I'm on crutches. We're leaving the game. Detroit destroyed us or they won or whatever. And he starts giving this guy crap and then turns and walks away. Oh, and here I am on my crutches like this. Going, here comes Hop Along. Yeah, oh, I'm just man. like, no, man, we're cool, dude. He's an a-hole. He, that guy's an a-hole. Oh, if I wasn't hurt, you know yeah, what I'd do to yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. It's so, it's so crazy, man. I love I, – I just love – even when somebody mentions the old arena, man, mm. I just I, I just remember, man, like, and I, I don't want to go too far off the whales or whatever, but, like, I just remember walking through there the first game that I ever got to go to with my dad. And I just remember being so in awe of being inside. Yeah. And then I just remember the first time that I walked to the, like, out to the ice where, you know, where, where, and it just was like, you know what I mean, yep, man? Gosh, just yeah. one of those things. And then I remember walking through the concourses with my dad to get, like, nachos and stuff dripping on us. Oh, and yeah. I was going like, mm-hmm. what in the hell is that? You yeah. know, like, just. That, my friend, is grit. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen you smile that big in quite a while, yeah. man. That's old school hockey right, do right we, there. Do we got time for another email yeah, or no? Of course, All yeah. right, let's see. Uh, fellas, I'm a uh, new fan of hockey. Basically just started watching games this year. But when I tell you I can't get enough, I mean I'm I'm rewatching games. Got a Twitter account just for hockey talk. I listen to your podcast and the Bourbon Biscuits and Barn Burners podcast religiously. That being said, I have many questions, all of which can't be answered in one email. But the questions that's been on my mind lately is an in, is injury related. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Why is it that everyone is so secretive about the players' injuries? We get upper body and lower body, but really nothing else. And with Pareko, it took them forever to come out and confirm that he was even hurt. Are they worried about their opponents taking advantage of that info? Maybe they're just trying to protect their players' privacy. Thanks for the time to answer questions and keep up the good work. I always come for the hockey and stay for the humor. And that's from Chelsea. What a really nice email. Thank Thank you, Chelsea. Appreciate that. Yeah. um, The injury thing has always been kind of kooky, right? You used to never disclose anything, and then they went to upper body, lower body, and, you know. Yeah, the opponent will take advantage of it. I mean, if I know you have a bad right ankle i'm going for it i know it sounds horrible i sound like an awful human being and i'm really not off the ice um (laughs) but yeah i'm going for it if you have a bad wrist you don't think i'm going for it you have a bad shoulder you don't think i'm giving an extra little oomph when i hit you to try and make sure that that bad shoulder gets worse yeah i am i'm and i'm i've come to terms with the fact that that's not very nice but (laughs) right somebody's got to get paid to do it and it might as well be me and uh so, yeah, you try not to disclose as much as possible, and I know that frustrates people. But the only thing I can say is, you know, you go to the doctor. Do you want the doctor to post what happened with you or what's going on with you on their social media page? Yeah, probably not. Why no. is this unique probably to not, hockey right? then? Why yeah. is this unique to hockey then? Is it because of this, this, is the sport is so violent that if I know you have a bad shoulder, I can target it? In baseball, you can't really do that? Well, but also, too, man, then why, aren't they, then why don't they do upper body, lower body in football? Yeah, I don't know why – this is like way above my pay grade. Yeah, sorry, man. Questions. I'm asking. Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. I feel a little bit attacked right now. It's not a big deal. Jeff, why? I don't know why, why you have a bright light why? in my eyes. That intimidation doesn't usually work. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The NFL, look, they got their own program there, right? They do it, they do it their way. Uh, but as of right now, the NHL is at least going to upper body, lower body. And then you usually find out 
what it is. And, yeah. And, you know, for whatever yeah. reason, it just, I don't know, it is what it is, boy. Sorry for that one. Yeah, but you agree with the way that they do it, though. Yeah, it, well, I agreed with it as a player. As a member of the media now, as Jeff would call me a broadcaster now, um, I would sure would like to know what the hell's going on. Sure. Um, but I respect it. Well, here's what we got going on. Guys, we're going to have to put some more emails on ice to the next time. You got that? On got ice. it on ice. Boom. Uh, wow. You can always ask me. Uh, email us at lmbp at 1057thepoint.com. lmbp at 1057thepoint.com. Last Minute Blues podcast, Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.